Hey, what's going on? You're listening to another episode of the Women for Greatness podcast. We're back! This is episode 55, and I actually recorded this episode all the way back in October at an event called Pays to be Brave. So Emily and I recorded in October in my Airbnb. That's why there might be some airplane noises in the back that we were by an airport. Okay, so you've probably noticed that I ghosted on you for a minute there. I've been transitioning into YouTube, but don't fear. I'll still be showing up here for the podcast and there'll still be interviews on here, but the main focus this year is YouTube. I think I learned this year that you can only do so many things at once. So sporadically, there will still be podcast episodes. The podcast is still alive, but YouTube has more of my focus right now. Thank you for your ongoing support for the Women for Greatness podcast and the Women for Greatness community. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with Emily. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm really excited. <laughs> so this is Emily, guys. We've been hanging out at Pace to be Brave all weekend. Mm-hmm. Actually, as a matter of fact, yeah, we ran into each other. Seat buddies. <laughs> um, so who are you, Emily? Who like if someone came up to you and it's like, so what do you do? Which we've been getting a lot of <laughs> this weekend. What would you say? Well, okay, that very recently, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. I am still in school, so I have one more year left of my undergraduate studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Go Badgers. But what I want to do, how about that, is, you know, I've been starting more conversations surrounding mental health and all just, you know, owning your truth and being open to others and you know my truth specifically is I've had a history of disordered eating and anxiety and just a lot of you know mental health related battles that Mm -hmm. I kept so quiet for so long and the moment that I you know I finally spoke out about them and you know owned my truth I became so empowered and just I felt so much better about myself so I guess what I want to do is inspire and encourage other individuals to just to do that, to start talking, to start these conversations, start these narratives, because it's not that scary. Once it's out there, it's okay, and we can figure it out. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, sorry, kind of went off. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) But can you give us a a bit more backstory specifically on what it was like for you with anxiety and disordered eating? Like, what was that struggle? Because a lot of girls are going through it, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to talk about it because there's shame. Yes. Or they're embarrassed. Oh, my God. That, you know, that is the ultimate reason why I was so quiet for so long. Mm -hmm. Shame, embarrassment. I, so truthfully, my anxiety has always been, you know, an issue, especially in my whole entire family. But I didn't really know what it was, I would say, until, you know, college. I, I, that's when I really understood that, okay, this is a big issue in my life. And Mm -hmm. it was, it became so debilitating. My disordered eating didn't even start until, I guess there's no start date you know Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that you grow up and there's so many different societal pressures and just subconscious messages that you're getting especially Mm -hmm. when you're young you know female growing up it's just so crazy I know that it really did become an issue as I was going into college so after I kind of quit sports I I always had that identity of as an athlete and I was always a small you know girl who was super strong and I did gymnastics and cheerleading and all these things and so everybody always used to reinforce that idea in me that, you know, I am this small, tiny girl, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, you know, I stop. I uh, My senior year of high school, I quit cheerleading. I'm like, you know what? Like, this isn't making me happy. It's making me crazy because, of course, my anxiety. Anywho, mm-hmm. total another story. So basically, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work out. I'm going to feel good about myself, you know, air quotes. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely took that to the nth degree. It was one of those things where I started, like, restricting calories and, you know, working out 24-7 and just having such a 
traumatic relationship with food. Mm. And then when I got to college, that whole entire structure, that routine, that rigidity just like broke, it shattered. And then it became one of those things where, you know, now you're going out and you're like binge drinking. And it's like, how do you navigate, you know, trying not to eat and then like drink it? It was just crazy. And then that in itself took me, you know, probably two or three years to just like figure out how to deal with that. So Mm. I don't know if that answered your question yeah. in any yeah. way, shape, or form, but it's been it's been a tough road because mm-hmm. it, there I, there is no linear path, and I think a lot of people don't realize that because uh, disordered eating comes in so many forms, especially for college women. It's you know one in four women exhibit like on the spectrum of all these different behaviors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, four podcast episodes back, we talked about emotional eating mm-hmm. that was kind of like the theme of the topic yes. and so that feels like it resonates a bit with you oh as well God, yeah. I think maybe something that you might be able to speak a little bit more light into would be mm-hmm. more obsession over food yes like and how it would control uh your life in a sense oh my God. would you say that oh absolutely you know obsession around food I think that really did start as soon as yeah I guess I've always been a picky eater when I was young and mm-hmm. so you know, when I was a kid, I would only eat, you know, the mac and cheese and the hot dog. I don't know, whatever the typical American kid liked. And then I started expanding my palate when I got a little older and bringing attention to that even. Like, I remember my family be like, oh my God, Emily's eating this, Emily's eating that. So there's always been such a focus on what I was eating from mm-hmm. such a young age. And then as soon as I got to college and all the food issues, you know, kind of, man, like, just exponentially took over my life so um, many more options oh yes. you have alcohol now oh yes. what about this food oh we, we do this socially oh my god and yeah. then all of a sudden I was thinking okay well if I'm gonna go out and drink and let's say have x amount of calories mm-hmm. I'm not gonna eat all day well I should eat something so I'll have an apple but oh if I have an apple well then maybe I might be hungry later then I'll have this but if I go you know so it became one of these things where I was planning out every single meal and I knew exactly what I was gonna eat I knew how many calories and it just it took over my life like mm-hmm. I I, it was so I couldn't breathe. I was suffocating under under this this whole food obsession, and it it was traumatic. It was terrible, mm-hmm. and I was like drowning in it. And I and nobody knew, you know, because you, you don't see that on somebody's face, and nobody ever talks about like, oh, are you thinking about food right now? It's just like such a weird, mm-hmm. you know, almost taboo topic that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like there is food, and everyone jokes, oh, I love food. Yes. You know, everyone uh-huh. always says that. But I do think there are cases where it becomes an obsession, what you were saying as, what am I going to eat? Oh, one apple and then I can eat whatever. Or like even like I hate the idea of feeling like guilty over something. And then talk to me about this. Talk to me Mm -hmm. about beating yourself yourself up after. Like can you walk me through what that conversation was like in your head after you like quote Uh messed up because you ate. Oh my God. What was that conversation? Oh, it was terrible. So yeah, so after I – you know, I had this period of like restricting food for a while. And then when I got to college, it became, you know, a binge eating sort of idea. So basically I would restrict and then I would like on the weekends, for example, we're going out and I would drink a lot. Like I'd binge on so much food and that, you know, that guilt. And mm-hmm. it, it, it honestly was almost like a depression that I'd send myself into yeah. for like either a day or two. It was, it was terrible because all I could focus on was like, oh my God, I ate so much. I'm such a terrible, terrible person. And like, you know, now... I preach so much that food has no moral value. Innately, food is food, and it is nourishment for your body. A calorie is a calorie. It's a unit of energy, you know? Mm -hmm. But in my head, you know, the fact that I had 
pizza and then I had cookies and then I had this note that was just so I felt like the guilt was Mm -hmm. just so consuming and it was I would cry I would literally cry myself to sleep if I slept at all like it was one of those things where you know it happened a lot at night because I was going out and you'd come back at three in the morning and then eat all this food and Mm -hmm. I would just lay there hating myself because I felt like I had just you know morally like committed murder it was the Mm -hmm. craziest thing and it was it was not a way to live and it did take me you know almost like a day to just recover and like bounce back from that and it was it was terrible yeah it truly I mean it's really common with mindset like you believe what you say about yourself so whether you're saying something good or whether you're saying something negative your brain believes it so for example if you're experiencing this guilt and it's like oh how could you have eaten that you have no willpower you fatty or whatever words your true self like you're actually saying to you because we wouldn't say that out loud oh my God, you would never say that to yeah. a friend oh yeah yeah it's like you internally bully yourself mm-hmm. and why you yeah know? because I did really start to believe all these things like I was such a bad person because I wasn't you know I I wasn't disciplined enough I didn't have that self-restraint that the control that everybody else does and then as soon as I set, kept telling myself that I would lose more control over mm-hmm. you know food would have this power over me because I was subconsciously giving that to food in mm-hmm. a way and think of how like how sucky and how low energy your life would be mm-hmm. in that or I mean you've been there so you know mm-hmm. so was that pretty low for you oh my god yeah I would I almost so freshman year of college excuse me I almost didn't go back to school after freshman year because I realized how big of an issue this was and how much you know it was controlling my life mm-hmm. and I remember going to my mom saying like I don't know if like first of all, I need help, you know, like, this isn't okay, I'm not okay, and my quality of life was just so low, because it was such a a cyclic anxiety, depression type of thing, because I would be restricting, and I would be really anxious, because all, of course, I was obsessing over food, that's all I could think about. And food's everywhere. Yes, and it is one of those things, you know, I always used to tell my mom, I'm like, mom, because I was trying to explain it to her, and I was like, at least for an alcoholic, like, you could just, like, totally get rid of alcohol, I mean, in a way, but, like, you can't get away from food, you know, it, it is everywhere and it is constant and like you have to, people do meals. It's like a social thing. I'm like, how do I mm-hmm. get around this? Because I, I don't know how to even navigate it in like the slightest sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After freshman year, I told my mom, like, I don't know if I can go back to school. Like, it was the scariest thing. And mm-hmm. she was like, okay, we're going to, you got to do what you got to do to like heal yourself and make sure that you're okay. Because obviously you are your most important like asset and mm-hmm. your mental health and your well being is, you know, what you have to nurture and like take care of but that was that was so scary like I was I was so terrified and I was just so upset with myself because I had always school had always been my thing Mm -hmm. and how could I allow all my disordered eating to take away from that and like like everything that I'd worked for Mm -hmm. it was really I think it's easy for us and our own self to be like oh it's not a problem I got it I don't need help it's not a problem I'm okay how are you Mm -hmm. I'm okay at what point did you recognize for yourself oh, this is a real problem and I need help. Is there a specific story or memory you can identify? Well, I do know that after one semester of freshman year, that's when I first, I think, finally admitted to myself. And that is when I went to my mom saying, I have an eating disorder. Like I knew in my heart that like this was not okay. And it, because it had gone from in high school, I was just like, severely restricting and I you know I lost all this weight so I'm like oh my god yeah I'm being healthy and air quotes again but then once I got to college and became this like 
cycle of binge eating that was like seriously destroying my happiness and my mm-hmm. well-being. Like I said, I would cry. I wouldn't be sleeping. And miraculously, my grades didn't really suffer that much just because I've always just been such like a strict, rigid per- Like I said, school is kind of my thing. But once I was crying myself to sleep, I couldn't go out because I was just so crazily like obsessing about food and I think once I realized that socially I was taking myself out of situations I wouldn't go to the dinner because I was too afraid that that meal was too heavy or like Mm -hmm. oh my god it was a birthday dinner I can't go because there's gonna be cake there and that's just like too much for me you know Mm -hmm. and as soon as I recognized that I was like Emily this is a really severe like mentality to have and this is not a relationship that like with food that I want to have Mm -hmm. and I remember after that first semester freshman year like walking into my mom's room and bawling my eyes out mm. and she, she thought I was pregnant <laughs> she's like oh my god I was like no, no 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 no, I'm not pregnant she's like then why are you crying I'm like because I need help you know then mm-hmm. we got into it and she was such <laughs> amazing support like she just listened to me and that's all that you could ever ask for because that was probably the scariest one of the scariest conversations I've ever had mm-hmm. because admitting it to yourself and then to your mom like somebody who just wants what's best for you and just wants your happiness like it I could tell it broke her heart but mm-hmm. she knew that like I was doing what I needed to do so that was probably that's when I like really realized mm-hmm. yeah so can we talk about like because when there's something going wrong with us mm-hmm. we feel ashamed of it yes. as if it's our fault mm-hmm. so if someone's listening and maybe mm-hmm. they're experiencing the same thing that you have mm-hmm. and they feel ashamed or yeah. that it's not someone else's problem to bear it's my problem yeah oh my god I went through that what would you say to someone experiencing the shame if they haven't yeah. told anyone yet mm-hmm. about what they're going through yes okay well first of all you were so 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 not alone there are so many women that are struggling right now and they don't even know it for so long I was in that state where it's like I don't want to burden you with this issue I would never tell anybody because I'm like oh my god then they're gonna be checking in on me and blah 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 like I don't want that and they thought I was doing it for attention no 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 the embarrassment and the shame it had so much power over me for so long because I I gave it that power right Mm -hmm. but as soon as I woke up one day and was like you know what this is nobody's fault okay so what I am who I am and I am here today and what am I going to do about it am I going to sit back and be embarrassed and ashamed of myself and never say anything and be miserable the rest of my life no 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 Mm -hmm. I'm going to own up to it be like okay this is my life these are this is where I am and I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to speak out about it I'm going to get myself the help that I need I'm going to tell my mom you know Mm -hmm. it's it might be really hard on her for a little bit but if that is what's gonna serve me and my mom in the long run then I'm gonna do what I have to do and that's okay Mm -hmm. and you know the embarrassment and the shame yeah it's tough and that's why it took me so so long to accept it and just to allow myself to come around and be like okay um yeah you have a you have a problem but as soon as I did and I took that power back and I was like okay so what? It is what it is. Let's move forward. What are the next steps that I can do to pull myself out of this or at least step in the right direction? Because that's that's all you need to do. It's one baby step at a time. And there are so many people in that state where it's like they're just so embarrassed and ashamed. And it's you shouldn't be because it, it's so in today's day, I feel like there is we are setting young women up to fail. I know I've spoken like to so many people about this, but the messages that we're getting from the diet industry and from Instagram and from comparing everybody and like, oh my God, like you need to be small. Like these subconscious messages that we're reinforcing into our young girls is just so toxic. And so it's never anybody's fault because there's so many things that everybody is there's so many stimuli from age like 12 on that you're like oh my god I'm a young girl I need to be thin I need to look good and that's nobody that's just the reality of today especially with social media I guess what I'm just saying is that it is not your fault Mm -hmm. it is what it is and 
okay, it, it's okay. Just admit it and acknowledge it and be like, okay, what are the next steps? It's not this big scary thing because if you have the ability to recognize it in yourself, then you have the ability to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And I, I genuinely do believe that. Yeah. And I think another thing talked about on the podcast before is you're not the only one in the entire world experiencing this problem. Mm -hmm. You're not the only one if you have an eating disorder. No. You're not the only one who's ever been through a divorce. Exactly. You're not the only one who's ever, there's a lot mm -hmm. of shame. Yes. With whatever people are really struggling with. You're not the only one with anxiety. You're not the only one who's depressed. There have been a lot of other people in this world who've gotten through it and they've been in the exact same position. Yes. If they can get through it, so can you. Yeah. And so we isolate ourselves. So, well, but they weren't, this was my situation. It, uh -huh. It's not the same. And this isn't, well, but she had the, no. If no. someone else did it, you can too. Yes. Yes. I think the isolating is, is one of the big things, you know. I, I always, always, I would look around and be like, they have no idea what I'm going through. Like, how can I even talk about it to them? Mm -hmm. But as soon as you, I don't know who his podcast I was listening to, but it's like, once you see it in other, like, it's almost like you were colorblind. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you become aware of like all these disordered tendencies, let's say around food, for example. And then you, you notice it in other people. Mm -hmm. Then you realize like, oh my God, like why it's just the weirdest thing you notice the little things like oh like I can't have that because this is like too carbo heavy for me or like oh my god like I can only eat a salad today because like I just had such a bad weekend like no no no, no. that's not the relationship that you want with food like it's just yeah there's a lot out there yeah yeah tough. and I've also heard on another note that shame and embarrassment and fear of telling what you're going through that's yeah. like standing in a gel cell mm -hmm. but you're holding the key yeah. So you're keeping yourself in jail. Oh my God. Yes. With the, oh, you suck. Oh, you're fat. Oh, this isn't working. Oh, you know, all that stuff. Yes. But if you wanted to change your life, if you wanted to get out of the situation, you would unlock the door and get out. You would yeah. ask for help. You would reach out to someone who's been there. Yeah. You yes. know? Oh my God. And it's, you think it's so scary, right? Because you're holding the key and you know that you have the power to turn it and just open the door. But you're, you're so fearful of what's on the other side, you know? And I was like that for so long. But when I finally asked for help and I went to my mom and said I have an issue like what please help me I don't know what to do I'm scared she was there for me and she was like standing on the other side of that door and you figure it out you know once you do it once you make that step it's not scary it's mm -hmm. not like the scariest thing is just like thinking about it and holding it inside mm -hmm. and once it's out there it's out there okay so what what is the next step that we're going to do what are the resources that we can get you in touch with like can you talk to somebody do you know need a program like there's so many things out there and it's once you tell somebody else and be like hey this is my truth this is my story i'm as i'm reaching out for help like please help me you will find that there are so many people out there that can offer you that insight, that advice, you mm -hmm. know, those steps. Yeah. If someone's listening and they're like, okay, this Emily girl's cool. Like she's <laughs> got it figured out clearly. Oh my she's God, light no. years ahead of me. <laughs> what would you say really helped you work through your relationship with food mm -hmm. um, and worked through just that emotional? Because I mean, there's a lot of emotions tied oh up with God. it. So yes. what maybe even simple tips or different strategies yeah. or just what worked for you? So definitely therapy. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love therapy. I talk about it all the time. I think everybody should go. It should be mandatory. 
But I think once I really unpacked that it was never about the food itself, you know, I think a lot of people get tied into like, oh my God, it's like the calories. No, 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 it's not. It's different for everybody. But for me, it was more like a sense of control thing or lack thereof. And I really did use food as that. For example, in high school, when I, I wanted to change my body and I would restrict food and I would, I would know the exact calories and like every little thing I would plan out my day around. And it was this sense of control, right? Mm-hmm. And then I get to college and I'm thrown into the situation and I cannot control anything I don't know who my friends are I don't know my classes I don't even know where I am like I was so scared and then all of a sudden I couldn't control my food either because I was thrown into these situations where that was just impossible Mm -hmm. and so I think once I went to therapy and I really unpacked what the deeper meaning as to like why I was exhibiting these tendencies and why I chose food as my obsession so to speak that really really helped me another thing that really helped me the summer that I got back from college after my freshman year is I found a workout that really made me feel empowered and I've always a lot of people who go through like any eating disorder also tends to talk about how their relationship with exercise is also very difficult and again it's just one of those like whole body image things it's very tied into one another at that point in my life I was really over exercising or exercising as like a compensatory mechanism for like oh my god I ate so much I binge ate last night I need to go run for 10 miles which is just so unhealthy so when I got back from school I found this workout it was pure bar I'm sure people know it or like I guess any type of workout that really makes you feel empowered you know I would look at myself in the mirror and be like I am so strong and it didn't be it wasn't about what I looked like it wasn't about the weight it wasn't about any of that I was like wow like I am physically able to do this Mm -hmm. and like that practice and that mentality of just like being so proud and just just to look at yourself and be like wow like I can do this and I am enough and it just it really changed my relationship about myself and like how I viewed my body is not like this you know not as an object Mm -hmm. but as an instrument Mm -hmm. and that really excuse me not as an ornament but as an instrument Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's good you're really passionate about talking about mental wellness um mental wellness mental health yeah you're really passionate about like having those conversations Mm -hmm. two questions why do you think we haven't had those conversations in our culture Mm -hmm. and part two how do we start having those conversations yeah I would say the reason that we don't talk about it is you know it's so taboo you think that I think a lot of people see it as a sign of weakness right the fact that oh my god I admit to other people that I'm struggling with this what are they gonna think of me I'm suddenly not you know this happy-go-lucky person that everybody's always assumed me to be for so long and mm-hmm. oh my god I'm gonna disappoint my family I'm gonna disappoint my coworkers, my husband I don't know whatever their their story is about themselves like that identity that you've always thought of yourself as mm-hmm. like if you think you're gonna be letting people down you don't want to talk about it and that in itself isolates you you know you're holding that key and you won't ever push that door open and I think it's just because society we have this stigma around anything mental health related I think that's one of the big things that it's like I'm so passionate about is like let's break that stigma you know I know it's a it's a big endeavor of mine but why do we think that this is such why are we so weak if we if we are admitting to ourselves that hey like this is an issue and I gotta work on it mm-hmm. what is so bad about that and I, I just do think that we've been raised in a society where oh we don't talk about that like oh just like brush that behind the door and yeah I think that starting those conversations is so so crucial so important because as we do as we as more people speak out and just as you realize that it's okay to talk about I think that's how you start ending those those stigmas you know Mm -hmm. just starting that open conversation being like hey like what's going on are you okay like if it is like let's talk about it and that's Mm -hmm. If you're not ready to talk about it, that's fine. But when you are ready, just come to me and I will listen. Because so many people are just so afraid 
because they don't realize that you can talk about it and it's not a burden to other people. So many people would rather you be open with them and like tell the truth than like have them know that you're struggling inside. I would say what's worked for me in the past is, you know, if I've noticed, let's say a friend, I feel like a lot of friends are the Mm -hmm. ones who notice it, you know, the most. Just be like, hi, I know that, you know, it seems like you've been distancing, distancing yourself recently. Like, what's going on? Do you want to talk about it? And if, if not, like I am here when you want to and be like, hey, just, you know, checking in with your friends being like, hey, like what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, and it could be super casual. It can be like, hey, like even if you don't want to talk about it when you're ready, I am here mm-hmm. and I'll just listen. It doesn't have to be this whole end all be all conversation because I think that was what I was so afraid of for so long. Like, oh my God, like my mom's going to freak out. You know, <laughs> that was scary for me. But like, even if it's just a super casual, like, hey, if it, whatever's going on in your head, like, let's talk about it because I'm sure, like, I can understand. I feel you. Like, I can empathize. And that's, you know, having just a, even one friend reach out to you, just knowing that you have that support system is huge. Mm-hmm. So, so big. And eventually they will speak out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When they're ready. How do we, it's okay if you don't know, but <laughs> how do we know when our friend is struggling? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's definitely hard. I would say it's struggling with what I, you know, I Here, guess it's such I'll, a, I'll rephrase. So yeah. I've had moments where I'm like hanging out, doing life, doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden a friend comes to me with something I never even expected. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, are there like signs that I could have picked up on earlier mm-hmm. to have kind of been like what you were saying, like, hey, you've been distancing yourself. Yeah. Are there different signs like that you've seen of people if they're going through something, maybe sure. other people to be aware of? Yeah. If not, guess, it's okay. But I guess just... I could speak mostly in terms of like disordered eating. I think mm-hmm. I would know the signs for that. A lot of that time it's, you know, this again, food obsession mm-hmm. or the, that, that one super healthy friend who will not eat anything but like this, this, and this. You know, it's like, oh my God, I need my kale smoothie every single morning and like will not bend the rules what rules and quotes because that rigid behavior is definitely like an indicator that okay they might be you know some stuff with food but I would definitely say as soon as if you know a friend who's all of a sudden like starting to isolate themselves again from social situations like like I used to do I used to not go to those birthday dinners because I I knew it was about that cake that I didn't want to eat or like the pasta but I would never say that I'd be like oh my god I have too much homework I'm sorry I can't Mm -hmm. and if you're a friend and you recognize that this is this is like a pattern that's continually occurring then you can pull them aside and be like hey like are you is it really the homework like I don't I know that you just had that exam today like what's going on is it is it more about the meal like are you stressed about the food you know and just like being honest Mm -hmm. you know I think somebody would really appreciate you being like hey what's up those are the signs that I would pick up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I can't speak into something that I've never been through. Right. I mm-hmm. can't sit here and pretend, oh, yes, I know you're supposed to do this, this, and yeah. this. So you're speaking from what you've been through. Yes. And that's yes. really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I would just like to ask, because you're 21, yes, right? Yes, I am. And so you came to this conference yeah. in San Diego. Where do you live again? I live in Chicago. Chicago. And then I go to school in uh, Madison. So you flew from Chicago to here, yes. to San Diego? Yes at 21 by yourself yeah yeah (laughs) what inspired that (laughs) god you know i don't even know i think i've been following angie lee's podcast for so long recently i've just been like opening up about a whole lot of stuff and i'm like you know what if i'm gonna jump into something and be unapologetically myself i'm 21 i'm gonna do it now and so Mm -hmm. her just i just knew that i needed to be in this room with these amazing empowering women because they are doing great things and i was like you know what I have this crazy idea. I, I'm ambitious and I am motivated. I am determined. Like whatever needs to be done, I can do it. Just mm-hmm. I need to be in that room. And I figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. I 
I was like, what's really holding me back from coming to San Diego? Like, it's not that far. I mean, I could make up a million excuses, but my whole life I've been really good at making up excuses for myself. And finally I'm like, no, I'm going to show up for myself today. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are very concerned. I'm too old. I can't start this. Yeah. I'm too young. I can never amount to that. Uh Or that. Yeah. Uh So can you talk to me about like the age stigma a little bit? Yeah. No, I think when I first started talking about a lot of my stuff, I I was like, who's going to listen to me? I'm like 20 years old. Like I'm in college. They think I'm so naive. I woke up one day. I was like, no, Emily, you have paid your dues. Like you have this intense story that so many people can resonate with. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't come with age. You know, I always used to think for you to be have any sort of like wisdom, you had to be 75 years old and gone through life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I have this story and there are so many people who have the same story. Mm-hmm. I should be speaking out about it and I should be telling people because I can help them now. When I'm 20, 21, like not when I'm 75 and it's been years and years and years. Like, no, no, no. If I want to make a difference now, I'm going to use what I know right now. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't wait and put myself on hold because of an age thing because I don't believe in myself. No, like... You need to do you need to do it right now because you have this passion and I have this this motivation and that is that could be temporary. Who knows how I'm gonna feel in five years, you know? Yeah. But if I could take what I have right now and change somebody's life, mm-hmm. I wanna do that right now. Yeah. Why wait? Mm-hmm. Well and imagine if you were if you did take what you were saying, oh, I'll start when I'm seventy. Yeah. So imagine like your life now at twenty one, go, 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 help everybody, do all this chasing it like yeah. fast and hard. And then imagine 70-year-old Emily mm-hmm. being like, okay, now I'm wise enough to finally help and serve right. all of these. Like imagine all of the people in the middle mm-hmm. who you wouldn't have been able to help yeah. if you didn't do what you're doing now. I mean, kind of, that's kind of what I thought. I'm like, one day I'm going to be like, I'm going to wake up and regret not speaking out. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live like that. I, I would rather speak out now and, okay, I'll take some criticism. Or, uh, whatever you think of me, fine. You can think I'm weird. You can judge me. I can take it. I guarantee I've told myself worse things. I've been, an inter- <laughs> I've been my own bully for so long. But I think the worst thing that I could do is wake up in 40, 50 years and be like, wow, I wish that I had done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have some young listeners for the podcast, okay. maybe still in high school yeah. or like early college. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them right now if they're like, oh, I want to do this, but it sounds really scary. Just do it. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. I, there's been so many things that I never thought that I could do that I, you just start. You mm-hmm. literally just, you turn that key and you push that door open. That's all it takes. And you, you, you get so scared because you, you tell yourself this dialogue, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. People, what are people going to think of me? Mm-hmm. Screw them. It's your life. You mm-hmm. know, it is your life and you can do whatever the hell you want with it. And so even if you're young, even if you're in high school and college, I mean, I'm 21, I'm not that much older. And it's just one of those, th- one of those things where it's like, Age is but a number and whatever you have inside of you, whatever passion that is, whatever you need to say, like speak out and do it now mm-hmm. because one, you might not have this inspirational idea in 20 years, you know, and it, it is a disservice if you don't speak out about it because you're amazing regardless of your age, regardless of your number, or if you are 70 and you have this idea, like just do it. Who yeah. cares, right? The only thing that's holding back, holding you back is yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really, I do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Been so good, so much fire. <laughs> I know I am really, um, yeah, I get like really into it. I yeah. just, God, I wanna, there's just so much out there that, you know, needs to be heard, needs to be said, and like I'm just willing to say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there anything else you're specifically really passionate about right now? Honestly, oh God, that's a tough, that is a loaded question. Yeah, it's open. <laughs> open question. I, at the moment, I'm just, 
finally living for myself and mm-hmm. just finally doing like being unapologetically me and being authentic and I'm really passionate about just doing what is like serving me mm-hmm. and I think that's it's been so eye-opening and I've been so happy because of it mm-hmm. I'm the happiest I've ever been because yeah. I'm just finally speaking my truth so how does it feel to be you instead of trying to be someone else trying to be fill in the blank it feels like I can finally breathe mm-hmm. it feels like I've been you know drowning my whole life and now I'm finally like on a nice floaties sipping like I don't know some lemonade with the sunglasses on you know it just it is one of those things where you when you are like in tune with yourself and being so authentic and so genuinely you it's god it is so just uplifted it is just so it's like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders mm-hmm. and it it just feels so good I've told a couple girls like at the conference at first it's like oh because for those listening this conference is really big it's like a thousand five hundred people huge. And so at first I was like, oh my gosh, what do I wear? Yeah, All these girls oh are going to be there. <laughs> and then I had this thought like, oh, I am so tired of trying to be mm-hmm. someone else. Oh my God. I'm it's just going to wear what I usually wear. I'm going to wear Whatever the hell me. you want to <laughs> yeah. wear, you better wear. Yeah. Yes. And I think that can be said for life too. Yeah. When we're, when we're so exhausted, mm-hmm. like if you're listening and you are just like weary to yeah. the bone, if you are tired and you're just like, why is this not working? I'm trying yes. to do this. I'm trying to do what so-and-so told me just to do and to it's not in. working. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. Yeah. Knock it, it off. Yes. You're not Literally supposed to be. <laughs> you were born to be you. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, like I think fitting in into society standards is what – what tears people down? What mm-hmm. makes them so exhausted? Why do we live these lives? Like, don't be put in a box. Like, you weren't ever meant to be put in this little square box where, you know, you have to represent this one. Per- no, no. Like, you are yourself, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you have so much to offer in this world. And as soon as you just accept that, acknowledge it, and be like, yeah, like, let's be me, mm-hmm. it is amazing. Yeah. It's, like, the best feeling in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Okay, so I think three more questions. Okay. So if you had access to a billboard and it was in a super busy part of town, maybe it was okay. in like downtown LA or like a lot of a lot of traffic going on, yeah. and everybody could see your sign, what would you put on the billboard? I think my, I think it would be like a weird selfie of me and then me see, saying just own your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that speaks to a lot of people, whatever that is, you know, whether that is like disordered eating or anxiety or depression or any maybe not even like anything mentally mental health related Mm -hmm. maybe it's you know you're in an abusive relationship or like you are struggling with like your partner or something I don't know just owning your truth Mm -hmm. and acknowledging it and accepting it there's so much power in that and once you finally you know speak it and own it you regain that power Mm -hmm. you know and then you're in control yes it's your your ball game, I should say. Yeah, that's awesome. And then next question, what does it mean to you to be a woman made for greatness? Everybody has the potential to be great. Everybody is great, you know, and it's whether you take it and acknowledge it, like I said, you know, you everybody has so much inside of them, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And, you know, hardship, y- you can take that hardship and you can turn it into something positive and that's all I'm trying to do. And I think so many women in our past have been great because they have taken those in times of adversity they have figured out ways around it and they've turned that into power into strength and I think like that's why women are great you know because Mm -hmm. we find those avenues and we make it work and we go with it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and then so if someone was listening to this and they're Mm -hmm. like oh I like this Emily girl (laughs) or maybe they hear some of their story in your story 
where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Yes. Where can they be your friend? Oh my God, yeah. Please be my friend. <laughs> I'm not intuiting at all. So my Instagram, I would say, is definitely the easiest way to find me. It's let's get them. So L-E-T-S-G-E-T-E-M and then two underscores. I also have a blog that is linked in my bio, which really goes through my whole entire story. Mm-hmm. And if you really, you know, think that this story resonates with you or you find yourself, you know, in parts of, the, parts of what I've said, definitely check out my blog because I dive so deep into it. And I also have so many amazing tips and like insights on like how to navigate disordered eating in college and all these things are um, linked in that too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like DM me, chat me and my, my emails in there too. And yeah, I would yeah. love to hear from you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank and shout out Emily for being my awesome guest on this podcast episode. I know she's not the only one who's ever experienced an eating disorder. I know there are others out there in the world that are stressing and overwhelmed about the thought of food in their life. So if that's you, I hope this episode was encouraging for you and and inspiring and I love Emily's passion and her fire to get the message out there that it's okay to talk about these topics they're not taboo if you like this episode please go and follow Emily on her Instagram I'll link it in the show notes thanks for listening to this episode of the women for greatness podcast and keep on pursuing your greatness